Today on Locked On Canadians, it's the Friday mailbag and we answer questions about will the Canadians try and move up again in the draft to get another top 10 pick? We'll talk about the Laval Rocket and what their next game's going to look like. We talk so much about the prospects, the future of this team. It's really exciting and all of that's coming up in just one moment on Locked On Canadians. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. and welcome to episode 615 of Locked On Canadians. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. We're your first listen of the day, five days a week, all about the Montreal Canadiens. My name is Laura Saba, also known as the Active Stick, and today I'm flying solo for literally the first time in my life. This is my first solo episode. I'm usually joined by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize, who's off this week. And for the rest of the week, I've had some amazing guests like Andrew Berkshire, Dylan Waugh, Ian Boisvert, and you can check out all those episodes wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked On Canadians. We had some really great discussion over the past week. We talked about, obviously, we had an immediate reaction to the Canadians winning the draft lottery. We talked about whether we have been wrong about David Savard, Jonathan Drouet, and Josh Anderson all this time. And we had a special uh, Shane Wright-themed related episode, uh, just our previous episode, episode 614, that dropped on Thursday with Andrew Berkshire, where we didn't just talk about how this changes the Canadians for the future. We also talked about where the Canadians could play him in the lineup. And we also talked about the importance of having a natural center or why that is such a big idea when it comes to NHL drafting or free agency. And all of that can be found on our last episode. It was really great discussion and I hope you check that out and I also want to thank that murderer's row of special guests that I had uh, it was it was a really really fun week and this episode in particular I hope you bear with me I've never done this before and I'm quite nervous so I'm gonna get right into the Laval Rocket so I'm recording this after they have beaten the Syracuse Crunch 4-1 in uh, their first home game, in the first home playoff game uh, at Place Bell, the atmosphere was amazing. There were videos of the tailgate. There's a whiteout. The pregame presentation was kind of like an Olympic opening ceremony. It was a huge deal. And the fans were not quite at all. I was watching it on RDS and I could hear everything, like every little thing. And it was a really, really good game. They opened the scoring early on the power play and the crunch was basic were basically uh parading to the penalty box for the rest of that period but the rocket weren't really able to capitalize on that it was getting a little bit stagnant the crunch tied it in in the second period i believe it was uh and then it, there was almost no action it was just there were power plays that they weren't like capitalizing on there were a couple of near misses with uh Caden Primo being in the right place at the right time uh and then the third period is where the offense exploded uh Cedric Paquette was the I think the eventual uh game winning goal scorer but uh Jean-Sébastien Day and uh, Louis Velpidio also scored it was really good I think a, a good feeling because it's a best of five series and now they're up three one on the crunch and they can close it out at home. Um, sorry, it's they're up two one. It's a best of five. They're up two one. They need to win a third and they can close it out at home on Saturday. I really hope to make that game. It really did seem like an exciting and fun time. I'm quite jealous of all of you who got to go. I know a lot of our listeners were uh, sending me tweets from the game. It seemed like 
just a fantastic, fantastic game. And honestly, this is so, so much fun. And I do hope they manage to close out the series and make another round because I think it's really, uh, it's really fun to have playoffs in Laval for the first time in their history. You know, when they first moved here, there were a lot of really rough seasons. And I think it's kind of emblematic over the course of the last two to three years where they have really made a turnaround in developing that team and using it uh, like a development team, like losing, using it as a farm. Uh, as uh, our guest from last week, Mike O'Brien said, you should check out last Friday's mailbag. It was really uh, interesting and insightful as well, where there was a lot of talk about the power play. But one of the things that we did talk about was using the Laval Rocket as a farm team, as a development team for the Montreal Canadiens. And as we know, they are in a rebuild. They now have the first overall draft pick. Uh, and so the future is bright, but it's all about what they do with that. So I think I'll start, I'll get into the mailback questions because there's one specific question that we received by email. And I hope you'll bear me with me as my notes are all on my phone. Uh, and it had to do with the Canadians winning the draft lottery. And I think it's a good way to kind of kick off uh, the the mailbag, this, this week's mailbag, talking about the future. And so this comes from Dylan S. Thank you so much, Dylan. Hey, Lauren Scott. Now that the Habs have won the draft lottery and will most likely draft Shane Wright, is there any situation where you anticipate the Habs adding another top 10 pick? If so, which picks, prospects, or roster players could we see going the other way? Teams like Buffalo and Ottawa might be inclined to trade for immediate help. Now, this is one of those things where, obviously, the Canadians already have the first overall pick. But trying to get somebody in that top 10, usually in any draft, like you can't really go wrong with the first, you know, two to seven, two to eight, usually. And there are a lot of names that in this draft that are really, really exciting. And as we know, the Canadians aren't just in need of center depth. They also need game-breaking defensemen. They need somebody who can become a number one defenseman. I think the problem that you have in this year's draft is that it might be true that the Canadian, the, uh, sorry, the Buffalo Sabres perhaps, or uh, the Ottawa Senators might want more immediate help. But I think it depends on how smart their front offices are because those teams are not a player away from contending. So the Canadians would have to offer quite a lot uh, to, in order to move up and get those picks. They, they have another pick. Obviously, it's Calgary's pick, but we're expecting that to be pretty late in the first round. And then they've got, obviously, the 33rd pick, which in the second round is the first. It, it You know, that's kind of on the cusp of being a first rounder. So you could get some really good names in there. You could trade one of those two picks plus um and you know the problem with the canadians though is that they're trying to build talent right one of the knocks on this team is that they lack talent <laughs> they're just not they don't have enough of it so they would have to be willing to part with talent with either term youth and there's not a whole lot on this team that could benefit those other teams ironically i think the one team that would have been an option would have been Chicago, but Columbus owns their pick. So they don't have that. I think it's a, it's a sixth overall pick that, that, that I think you could have done a deal with Chicago, but I don't think it's going to work. And I'm going to ask this to Scott next week when he's back from his, uh, his break, because I'm interested to, to see what he says, because it's, like, it's obviously a no-brainer if you can get another top 10 pick. You try, you shop your players and, and, and your picks and and maybe prospects. I just don't see the teams that are in the top 10 this year wanting to do it because I think they're all in kind of the same boat. They're in the top 10 for a reason. It's because for the most part, they're missing a lot of talent on their team. And 
and they need to improve via sort of rebuild, retool, or whatever you want to talk about. But it's a really intriguing idea. And um, so we're going to get into some more questions, particularly about the Laval Rocket. Maybe we'll talk about who from the Rocket is most likely to make the team next season. But first... I want to tell you all about Built Bar. If you listen to this show at all, or even if you haven't, you should know that Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It is so delicious. It's chock full of protein. Every single bar is low in sugar, high in protein, made with real chocolate, and they're so delicious. If you're used to protein bars, you'll know they have this like grainy, sandy texture most of the time, and they have that distinct whey protein taste. You know the one I'm talking about if you've tried any protein bar, and, and no matter what flavor it says it is, Built Bar is absolutely not like that. They're so good. They're unbelievably good. I use them every day as an on-the-go breakfast because very often I can't get it together and you want to make sure that you're not starting your day off, especially when you're busy and you have two jobs, you're start not starting your day off without, you know, something to give you energy and keep you going. Uh, but Scott uses them on his hikes. I use them before and after running sometimes and I can't tell you how delicious they are. They have 18 delicious regular flavors, but every once in a while they have, pretty frequently actually, they have a special edition flavor. Like, you know, I saw they had a white chocolate birthday cake puffs the other day, you know, like a puffs, like a marshmallowy kind of texture. Like these bars really do taste like treats. And if you want to try one, you can check out built.com and don't forget to enter the promo code locked 15. So you'll get 15% off your order. That's locked 15 at built.com for 15% off your order. All right, now I want to get into our mailbag questions that we received over Twitter. Once again, sorry, my notes are on the, on the on my phone, so if you're watching on YouTube, please bear with me uh, regarding that. So we got tons of questions, and I really appreciate all of you who saw that I was kind of panicking about hosting the show by myself and sending copious amounts of questions. Let's start with a question from frequent listener Jeff the Red. How successful do you think the NHL was in turning the five-minute process of announcing the draft order into a half hour show. Here's the thing I'm gonna say about that. We all watched it. It was half an hour long when it could only have been four minutes, but every single one of us was watching it. It, it, it is so unbelievably successful and it's so annoying because they, they turn out to be right. You know, most of us were just like, you know, even no matter if you say, you're just going to wait until the end to see, right? You know Montreal's got like a really high chance of being a high number there. You still watch the whole thing. And you still commented when, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights didn't didn't move up at all. You still commented with, uh, you know, most of the changes or non-changes, as it were. Uh, you held your breath as you saw that the New Jersey Devils weren't where they were supposed to be. So you know that they moved up. You held your breath before they called Arizona as the third overall pick. And finally, you cheered when you heard that Montreal had the first overall pick. And we all did it. So I feel like it was just, it's so good and so, so clever by the league. It's very annoying, but they got us. They got, it's, it's super successful. Uh, another question from Jeff. Now that you're on YouTube, what's the one thing you would like to put in your background if you could get it? The real life Josh Anderson. <laughs> That's what I would have in my background. Uh, our friend Beth. Hi, Beth from the happy hour. We know Scott is a Jersey person. What is your hockey thing that you spend all your money on? 
personally. That is true about my co-host, Josh, ha- uh, Josh, Josh, Josh Anderson on the brain. Uh, Scott has plenty of NHL jerseys. He's got actually some really cool jerseys as well. He's got a great Rocket jersey. He's got some, he's got some fantastic jerseys. A great collection. I have none of those things. I have one Canadian Montreal Canadiens t-shirt. I actually have a few, but one that currently fits me. Um, and I spend my money on going to games. That's pretty much it. I don't, or concessions at the games, but I don't, I don't have a lot of Canadian stuff. I don't have a lot of Canadians clothing. I'm one of those people where I, I guess I just have too much stuff, right? Like I used to, people would buy me so much Canadian stuff all the time, pens, you know, like teddy bears, all, all kinds of stuff like that. I had so many of them. I gave them away to nieces and nephews and, and other children in my life. Uh, I was trying to downsize. I don't know if you can tell if you're watching on YouTube. I'm trying to get organized with my life. I'm trying to have a, an organized sort of minimalist kind of life. I'm working on that. So I spend money on games is essentially yeah, what it is. And parking when I go to those games. No, I don't park at the Bell Center. But, you know, if you've ever been, if you've ever driven downtown, you'll know. Um, we've got a question from our good friend Goalie Droid. Hey, Goalie Droid, who was at the Rocket game. What do you think of the Rocket doing a whiteout for the playoffs? So this is one of those things where, as fans, you kind of are in two camps because I I believe it's the original Winnipeg Jets that came up with this idea. And then if any team in any league does this, everybody's like either... You're copying the Winnipeg Jets, so like you're a purist and you don't like that. Or you think it's cool. And I personally think it's cool. I don't, you know, I, I the thing about the whiteout, I think, is that the reason they pick white is probably for television purposes. Because for me, I'm like, it's the Rocket. It's a Habs team. Like, why not go with red or blue, right? Why does it have to be a whiteout? They were handing the t-shirts out anyway. It's not like they were saying wear white they were handing t-shirts out when you got to the game. So I feel like you could get creative with that and use other colors, but whiteouts are cool. I think they look cool. Although it was when you were watching on television and I did notice this on Twitter is that like the ice kind of looks weird. Um, and it was Jared book of Habs eyes on the prize that to point it out, it's probably because of the, everybody wearing white is kind of like the, the camera lighting and stuff was messed up either way. I think it's cool. I'm one of those people where I think it's cool, but I also feel like you could get creative with it. You know, uh, sometimes you'll see a sea of red or gold, Gold or whatever so do that like whiteouts are Winnipeg's thing uh but I don't think that you shouldn't be allowed to do it if you're another team another sport another league I think you should just kind of do something that's one of your own uh that's where I stand on that and we got plenty more uh questions coming up particularly you know who from the rocket do you think will make the uh Habs next year and plenty of fun off the rails questions from some of our listeners and all of that's coming up in just one moment but first I'm going to tell you about bet online because our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info you can find all the latest odds news and sports developments including this year's basketball playoffs major league baseball scores NHL playoffs fights, and even next season's NFL features. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
And where the Canadians game starts is obviously the Laval Rocket has a lot of the players that are going to be the future of this team. So our next mailback question comes from Trey Wilson of Habs Unfiltered and the Hockey Writers. Uh, and thank you so much for your question. Which Rocket Laval player do you think has the best chance of being a regular player with the Habs next season? So I think it depends on whether the person, the player, what had an extended time with the Habs this year or not. So like this is based on what you meant with your question. Because for me, I think Corey Schooneman is a no-brainer. I think they'll bring him back. I think they like him a lot. Uh, I think he'll come back to the Montreal Canadiens and have more time. But if he doesn't count because he did spend a significant time in Montreal this season, I'm torn between Jesse Ulanen and Raphael Harvey-Pinard because conventional wisdom says that, you know, Raphael Harvey-Pinard has taken the steps and done the development that around this time in his career would make sense for him to start playing more regularly with the Canadians. So, you know, he would be, and I think either way he his goal should be and will be to try to make the Canadians out of camp I think that makes a lot of sense but for me when you're looking at the team and you're looking at who do you want to be your first line who do you want to be your second line presumably if the Canadians draft Shane right you're going to have you know he's going to presumably be your second line center if not your first depending I don't think it's going to be the first I think he's going to be the second uh, I do think that you would want to bring in Yessi Linen and have him play with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield and have that line because they're going to be facing a little less of the tougher tougher matchups than they have been this season because there's a second line to worry about now, a legitimate second line to worry about for other teams. I think that Elonen would be fun there. I really, really do. I think that line could be really fast and fun and exciting. Um, put them together on the power play. I don't know. That's just what I'm saying. That So those two are the ones, if you're not counting Corey Schoenemann, those are the, I guess... Those are the ones that I would go with. Uh, Blaine Potvin, also of Habs Unfiltered. Which Canadians roster or prospect player do you think would make the best teacher? So I feel like Nick Suzuki can do anything. I feel like based on that, I probably should disqualify him from this question and think of somebody else. And you, you asked me this question 14 hours ago, and I've literally been thinking about it this entire time because you could go with, I feel like, hear me out on this one. Michael Pizzetta is like the cool teacher. Like he's the substitute teacher. He's got the ponytail. He probably wears like a beret to work. He's like the, he's like the substitute teacher that kind of he thinks he's cool but like the students don't necessarily but like they end up spending class like chatting instead of studying or learning or anything like that so that to me feels like it would make sense in terms of the prospects I don't really know but I feel like or even a regular player you know what Jeff Petrie has teacher vibes I'm gonna go with it Jeff Petrie has he just has teacher vibes that's just the way he is and I don't know if it's because he has like 15 little children uh but that's that's who the vibes are coming from uh and these are some really interesting questions actually I didn't really know I didn't really expect um to have to think really hard on them as much as I have uh, Tony Ferrari, good friend of the show, Tony Ferrari. We love you. Like you are literally a, not just a locked on Canadians favorite, just a locked on NHL podcast favorite. Everybody, all we have a group chat. Everybody always talks about how great Tony Ferrari is because he's fantastic. And he's obviously a prospect and scouting expert. Um, and his question is, 
It doesn't happen often, but what would it take, in your opinion, for the Habs to trade out of the first pick? Buffalo's ninth and 16th picks? Columbus is 6th and 12th, something else, or do you just not consider it? So I tend to think that a bird in the hand is, you know, that whole thing. It's worth it. Like if you go, you've, you've already secured the first overall and you've got a player that seems to be the only one that people agree might be ready to make the jump to the NHL. Like he could stay uh, where he is in the OHL or make the jump to the NHL, but everyone else needs a little bit more patience and time. And he's also some somebody that you need. You need that two-way center. You need that guy who's good enough to really, really shore up your center depth, especially because the Canadians have issues like defensively. Having a two-way guy like that is so, so important. So personally, I wouldn't consider it. But I think it depends as well as who might be available for the 6th and 12th, like who you have in your depth chart, who you've projected might help because the Canadians need two major things that they need to build around as one. We talked about that center. They also need a really strong defenseman, like somebody who's going to be no questions asked their number one. So Tony, my question to you is, 9th and 16th or 6th and 12th? You tell me, are there these two players that will be the future, like either second line or first line center of this team, or the number one defenseman of these team? If there are guys that will be available at that at that point, I do the trade because you're getting two things instead of the one thing that you need. And you already have Nick Suzuki. You know he's talented. You know he's capable of being a first line center. So you just get, you know, like it's not as far-fetched as you think, but I generally tend to err on the on the side of you've already got the first overall. Don't mess with that. Don't trade away. But when you come back, Tony, I'm going to ask your question back to you. I'm going to be very, very excited to hear what you say. So we've got tons more questions. Uh, Jeff the Red asks, what are the best and worst things about hosting the podcast solo? And this is also a question that Chris H. asked as well on Twitter. What's the best part about solo hosting and what's the worst? I would say... The best part about solo hosting, other than nothing, is that this is an opportunity for personal growth because I, I don't know if you can tell if you're watching on YouTube, but this I am so nervous doing this. I'm probably also speaking really fast if you're listening to the podcast. This is something that like is totally out of my com- comfort zone and I'm really, really uncomfortable right now. I also know that because I'm a woman speaking alone and I don't have my co-host to kind of insulate and absorb, that I'm going to get the worst comments I've ever received. The reviews are going to be really bad. Like people are going to like literally log on and subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify to give me bad reviews because that's just how it is when you are a woman talking about sports. Uh, and I know that the YouTube comments are going to be pretty mean. They're probably even going to be hidden. Like that's how bad they're going to be is that they won't even show up. They'll be held for review. So those are things I'm not looking forward to. And this is really something that's totally out of my comfort zone. Like I do talk a lot um, and I feel a lot more confident when somebody's here. Um, And I think the best part is literally just me being out of the comfort zone. And the worst part would be, you know, my anticipation of how people are going to react to it. But also I just miss my (laughs) co-host. He is somebody that I've said this so many times that I would rather I I would not do this podcast with anyone other than Scott Matla. He is literally like one of the greatest work partners I have ever worked with. But I have to thank as well Andrew Berkshire, Ian Boisvert of the Build Podcast, and Dylan Waugh of Hockey Unfiltered and Habstitution because 
they also, I, I feel like we had a similar positive chemistry when they were guest hosting with me over the course of this week. Um, and it's partly because they're just good people, right? They, and so I guess the worst part is literally just that I miss my co-host and that's, uh, it, it's a little lame, but uh, I think, you know, it's definitely something that, um, that I'm very, very glad that he's coming back for the Monday episode is all I'll say. Uh, Jeff the Red also asks, how are you even conscious after hosting all those podcasts on Tuesday and Wednesday? So on Tuesday night, on Tuesday during the day, I hosted one we recorded with Andrew Berkshire. That was the review that we did of David Savard, Jonathan Drew, and Josh Anderson. Um, and then when the lottery draft pick was announced or the Canadians winning the lottery was announced, Scott and I went live and did a live reaction and I was the host on that one. Um, and then I did a roundtable with uh, the Locked On Coyotes host Robin Leanio, Erica Lindsay Ayala of Locked On Kraken and Russ Cohen of Locked On Flyers and I hosted that as well. And then on Wednesday um, I hosted another episode with Andrew Berkshire where we talked about Shane Wright, how he would fit in to the uh, to, to the Canadians' plans. And again, that natural center, like, what does that mean? Why is it so important? Why do so many teams want it? Why is it, you know, one of the most coveted positions in the drafts? And that was also, uh, I recorded that on Wednesday. Uh, and you can find all those podcasts, like they're on our YouTube feed, they're wherever you get your podcasts, just search Locked On Canadians, they're the most recent episodes. And again, thanks to all those guys. Uh, it was exhausting. I didn't think so. You know, you'd think that, I think people don't realize that hosting a podcast is not as easy as it looks or sounds. People always think I could have a podcast. I could do that. It's true. Technically you can, but we have a podcast that's been around for three years on uh, little more. Well, no, little less than three years. And we've got thousands of subscribers and listeners and we've got tons of people just supporting us. And it took a long time to get to a point where we feel that we can put out a podcast and feel good about it and feel positive about it. It takes a lot of practice and a lot of time. So I think that even though we talk about how seamlessly it fits into our lives now, myself and Scott, it's just, it's still hard and it's still exhausting. Like I literally, I am pretty tired. I actually have plans today when you're listening to this on Friday and I don't know what they are. I know I made plans with people. I literally don't know what they are. So if you're my friends who I made plans with, please reach out to me and let me know. I'm supposed to meet you today. Uh, in the meantime, we've got a couple more questions. Scott Mallow with a really cruel question. FMK, Thai food, Greek food, or Italian food? So here's what I'm going to say. And you have to hear me out to the end. Um, F, Thai food, spicy. Um, M, Italian food, comforting. K, Greek food, but only because I can make pretty good Greek food at home. So that's the only thing. So like, don't come at me. Like I love Greek food a lot. I just, it's the only one that I could eliminate from this. Uh, and then finally, we've got a couple more questions from our frenemies. JD Young at Locked On Sharks. Uh, on a scale of one to 10, how likely was the draft rigged so the Canadians would win the draft while also hosting the draft? And who is the most likely to be traded at the draft? All right, so how likely is it? It's not likely at all. It depends on who you believe because the Canadians believe or the Canadians fans believe that the NHL hates them and conspires against them. And everyone else believes that the NHL loves the Canadians and conspires for them. 
I think we just got lucky and uh, no regrets, really. And who's most likely to be traded at the draft? If you're talking about Montreal Canadiens, I think Mike Hoffman. Uh, I, th I think he's probably... He's probably the one the Canadians wouldn't hesitate to trade. With Jeff Petrie, they might hesitate until they find better return. Or they might have a conversation with him and he wants to return, in which case they don't need to find a veteran defenseman. They can still keep him until later on. Maybe they'll trade him next year. Um, you know, Jonathan Drouin, I think, like Andrew Berkshire pointed out, I think he starts the season with the Montreal Canadiens. They put him in position to score a lot of goals just so that they could trade him a little bit later in the season, especially since his contract is coming up. So all of the players that the Canadiens would trade or could trade, I think Mike Hoffman is the one where they wouldn't think twice. They wouldn't hesitate. So if you're talking about like any other team, i Probably have no idea. Uh, JD, thank you for your question. And finally, the nemesis of the show, Will Christ, who he's a nemesis, but I have to thank him for asking three questions. The first question is, when someone eventually makes a documentary revealing the heinous collusion that occurred to give the Canadians the number one pick, who would you want to play you in the dramatic recreation of the events following the lottery reveal? Um, Jessica Alba. I just her I don't know <laughs> um uh that was the first name that came into mind when you asked this question uh so Jessica Alba it is uh next question again from Will if you found yourself in the common movie trope of having to organize an event of some sort to save a beloved local thing what would the event be uh, afternoon tea, 100%. I've always wanted to host an afternoon tea. I'm pretty good uh, party host, dinner parties, Oscar parties, all that. Uh, kind of famous for them. I've done charity events as well. Uh, never done an afternoon tea type party. That is what I would do. And it would be Alice in Wonderland themed. Uh, and finally, this is, I think, one of my favorite questions. What is your favorite kind of potato and preferred method of preparation for said potato? So my favorite potato is actually red potatoes. Um, and these, like, it's interesting because that's not the potato you're normally supposed to use for my favorite preparation of the potato. So generally, you're supposed to use white potatoes for what I'm about to say. And that is, there's a, a, a Middle Eastern dish, particularly, like, I make it the Lebanese way. It's called batata harra, means, like, spicy potatoes. I'm sure you've heard patatas bravas, like, um, you know, it's in Spanish cuisine, that's what they have, uh, or... Uh, there's variations of it, but our version of it is called batata harra, and it's you cube the potatoes, you pan saute them, I think, is, is like shallow fry them. You can also like boil them and put them in the oven, roast them and all of that, but I just do it all in a pan with olive oil, uh, black pepper, red uh, chili flakes. You want it to be a bit spicy. Garlic, the garlic is the most important component, and cilantro, and if you don't like cilantro, tough because I'm putting cilantro in it because it completes the picture. They're, like, batata hara is not a thing if you don't put enough cilantro in it. So that's my favorite preparation. You're not supposed to use red potatoes for that. You're supposed to use the white potatoes because the red potatoes don't have the right texture when you're when you're doing the, you know, the pan frying or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I cheat anyway and uh, because red potatoes are my favorite in terms of flavor. So that's all for our questions. If you would like to send us mailbag questions, you can send them at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can also leave them in the YouTube comments, but just be warned, if you leave YouTube comments that are mean, nasty, cruel, misogynistic, anything like that, I will delete the comment and I will hide you from the from the channel so you cannot comment anymore. Um, and you can also tweet them at LO underscore Canadians. You can find us on Twitter. 
at LO underscore Canadians, actually. Uh, you can find me at The Active Stick. You can find my co-host Scott Matla at Scott Matla. He will be back for the Monday episode and not a moment too soon because this has been the sweatiest I've been in my entire life. I miss Scott so much. Uh, and when you're done listening to us, please check out Locked On NHL, where they have been owning playoff coverage. It's been so great. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for bearing with me for an entire episode, if you've listened or watched this far. And I will talk to you, along with Scott, next week.